0: Iron sharpens iron. And if you go to any bookstore, you'll see all kinds of books about how important it is that men have significant friendships. And they're usually written by women. One of my frustrations with this process of, of the gender wars, of women, you know, masculinity, toxic masculinity, what, what, what a man needs to be. and All of these books are written by women. And it's not unusual for you to get on or to be flipping channels and see a panel discussion on some news station and it'll be three women and some poor little guy. Uh, talking about what it is to be a man and, and what men need to be. And I'm thinking, what do you women know about what it is to be a man? You don't have a clue. Uh, there is a reason that the ancient tribes, when a young man turned 12 or 13 years old, they would take him away from his mother and move him to the other side of the camp. And he would live with the men. Uh, and, uh, because, and, and this is the problem that single moms have. Uh, they, can do really, they can be great moms, and everybody needs a great mom. But when a, uh, but when a young man begins to realize that mother can no longer physically impose her will, they will turn mother off like a, like a light switch. And if you're not in your son's life, during that time to be the big alpha male and enforce the rules of the house, mother will have problems. Okay, she doesn't know how to channel, help this young man channel his male energy and he doesn't know what to do with it. Uh, and you're the one who has stepped in and says, yes, God has granted you great power, here is how you channel it. Um, it is imperative that you find yourself a band of brothers. And Stephen Mansfield has a great book on this and it's simply titled Band of Brothers. And it's about how important it is and how you can actually make it happen uh, to find a handful of men that you can do life together. Your wife can be your best friend. Certainly Jeannie is my best friend. And, And there are parts of our relationship that can't be duplicated anywhere else. But as wonderful as she is, she cannot be a guy. And there are certain things that only a guy can say to each other. That only a guy can call out in someone. You were never intended to live life as a Marlboro man. Okay, you know this lonely cowboy, we we see him on his horse and we see him miles and miles of wilderness and nobody else is around. Nobody ever lives that way, not long. We learned early on that we have to band together, we have to hunt together, we have to live together, we have to protect each other if we're gonna survive. For that reason, we have to be more intentional about creating these kind of relationships. What used to happen naturally, walking through the, the jungle hunting, now we have to be more intentional about it. Uh, because one of the things that is that, that we're missing in our culture Is deep friendships among men. Uh, Facebook did a, a survey several years ago that is now famous because of all of the people who are part of Facebook, most of them did not have one or two people that they knew to call if they were in trouble. If they were in jail, if they were in the hospital, they didn't know who to call. So we live in a very disconnected and lonely world. The Bible has a lot to say about friendships. And there are some famous friendships in the Bible. One of the most famous is David and Jonathan. When David hears that Jonathan has been killed in battle, uh, David says he loved Jonathan, and Jonathan loved him at such a deep level that it surpassed the love of a woman. Now, in our postmodern biblical interpretation, there were people who said, see, David and Jonathan were gay. There's no indication in the text at all that that was any part of their relationship, nor is there any reason that Israel, a Jewish nation, would celebrate having a gay king. That wouldn't happen. And when David was tempted and when David messed up it was with a woman all his key relationships are with women Uh, so there's no indication but there were there was a time uh, but 10-15 years ago maybe when maybe longer than that now I'm old enough now that time gets by me um, when every every Theologian or every biblical scholar it seemed like was publishing the book saying see there's homosexuality in the Bible It's been around here forever trying to justify the five There was nothing Nothing at all to that and it's been shut down very thoroughly since then But David and Jonathan promised each other a friendship that would bind their children to this friendship Not only are we promising that we're going to be friends forever And I got your back, and you got my back. But our children are going to be friends at this level, too. That's how how deep the promise was. In some ways, the friendship with David ended up costing Jonathan his life. Because Jonathan got caught between loyalty to Saul, his father, and trying to protect David. The other interesting relationship, the friendship, was Elijah and Elisha. You remember the story. Uh, Jezebel tells Elijah, uh, this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead. It's always amazed me that she sent a messenger, not just a soul. If you knew where he was, why didn't you send somebody to kill him? Because she wanted to torture him. She wanted him to dangle and to win and think about how he was going to die. This was no idle threat. Jezebel had killed before. So (laughs) Elijah does what every great man of God does when he's threatened, he runs. Now not only does he run, but he takes his servant and they run as far as they can run. And then they do the old west thing, they split. Right, you go one way, I go the other way. Remember when the posse would be chasing the the bad guys and they'd say, we'll split up? Now, get this, this great man of God was hoping Jezebel's soldiers would chase the servant and kill the servant rather than find him. He doesn't tell the servant to go hide. He says, you run off that way, I'm going to run off this way. They can't follow us both. Elijah runs into the wilderness until he's exhausted. He falls asleep, and God lets him sleep. God gives him rest, Sabbath. God wakes him and says, the journey's too hard for you. Get up and eat, and there is bread and water. He gives him the study of scripture and prayer. And the third thing he gave him for the journey was Elisha. Somebody to share the burden with. Somebody to walk with. Jesus in talking to his disciples in John chapter 15 says I no longer call you my disciples But I call you What does he say My friends The highest compliment that Jesus could give Peter and James that he can give you and me Is to be called this quiet, because you're no longer being told who I am you know You know who I am. Paul, when he talks about relationships, has I don't know how many one another passages. One of a a great Bible study is to follow, is to find all of these one another passages in Paul's letters and follow them up. Uh, Bear one another's burdens, pray for one another, lift one another up, encourage one another. bear each other's burden, on and on and on, all of these one another passages. Uh, you are to build each other up. You are, uh, in Thessalonians, he says, encourage each other with these, with, with these words. Uh, you, you know what um, uh, that, that picture is? It's a workout, buddy. it's somebody who's gonna be working at the, waiting at the gym for you to show up, somebody who's gonna make sure that you count to 10, that you do all 10 reps, uh, that you don't sort of change yourself at eight, and he's gonna be one to make sure that the barbell doesn't fall in your throat and choke you to death on the bench, okay? And it's always just the smallest gesture. Have you ever not able to your weight to the spotter? All right, and you, 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 you're working to where you max it out, and all of a sudden, you know, you're going 10, 11, 12, and then you get to the next one, and it's like you've had a stroke and nothing moves. And you're pushing as hard as you can, what will your spotter do? He'll do one of two things. He'll either grab it in the middle and help you up or he'll put a finger under the bar. One finger and say push and you can do it with him helping you with one finger. Now how that works I don't know. But the point is it doesn't take a whole lot of encouragement for your brother to get stronger. Most of the time it just takes them seeing you and you showing up. Now, I want to respond quickly to a question that was asked last night. Because guys are so tough-minded, because we're so good at putting on this facade, what's wrong? Nothing. How are you? Fine. How do you get to pick a place where uh, you can break through that conversation? Here's what I've learned. Guys talk sideways. Okay? We do not talk face to face. Anytime I do a marriage conference, I warn the wives, anytime you tell your husband, I just want to sit down with you and talk eye to eye, you have invited your husband to combat. Because anytime a guy says to another guy, it's going to be you and me eye to eye, we're going to fight. Okay? That scares us to death when you say we're going to sit down eye to eye. When I was growing up, there was always two or three driveways that had broken down cars and. And every day you would drive by, the hood of the car would be up, and there'd be 15 guys bent over in the hood of that car. The car never got fixed. It was always in the driveway. It never got fixed, it was always there. What was happening? The guys weren't talking about the car, they were talking to each other. Okay, here's how it goes. One guy leans over, another guy leans in, goes what you looking at. Man, I don't know. I just don't have the horsepower I thought. Have you checked the fuel line? Yeah, I did. I'm beginning to think it's carburetor. Yeah, carburetor getting me trouble. How are you and your wife do it? Stuart? Man, I don't know. Emmy Rams. You know, I was talking to her last night, and I just, I just can't figure out where we are, and I don't know what to do next. Tighten that belt. See? Guys will always talk in a situation where there's a way for them to get out of the conversation when they don't feel comfortable. Okay? Watching a football game, going to a baseball game, uh, playing around the golf, working on a call, doing some project, some mission project. That's why some of your best friendships happen when you go do something. So don't call a guy that you want in your group or if you want to get to know. Don't call and say, hey, we're forming a small group where we share our honest secrets. I uh, <laughs> want you to be over there at 7 o'clock with us. They're not doing that. <clears throat> I got a bunch of guys where we will see the Predators play. That's what happens. And the conversation always happens sideways. Does that make sense? All right, here are your table questions. Do you have friends who have become closer than friends but have become brothers? Second, are you a friend worth having? If one would have friends, one must show himself friendly. All right, here's your homework. What do your friends need from you? What do you need or want from your friends? Okay, let's follow this motif of stewardship out. On the day that I give an accountability of my life, I will give an accountability of my relationship with Jeannie, with my relationship with Christian Craig, and my relationship with you. I'm gonna stand in front of Jesus and say, I don't know what else I did, but I got Jim Bonds up here. And Jim is gonna look and look at me and look at Jesus and go, "That's not the way it happened at all. I got him up here." The guys in your life are they stronger, more committed to the faith? Are they their best, their best selves because they are? Your friend. So they stay in the fight a little longer. They stay a little more true to their values because they know you got their back and they know you're counting on them. Okay? You ready for table time? Let's pray and I'll give it to you. Help us be good friends to each other most of all good friends to you. And we pray this in your name.